Hello and welcome to Colored Red, a podcast all about Colorado true crime. I'm Laura. You guys, I don't want to get political, so all I'll say about what's really going on in Denver right now is I'm very happy that people are out there standing up to injustice and standing up against things that are clearly wrong and need to be fixed in our society. I don't know how that would happen or how to get there. Um, It's been a long road for decades getting there, and we're still not there for some reason. And I have this whole podcast about how justice isn't always what it should be. So I'm a little bit negative about it all. But keep it up and keep it up, Denver. Stay safe. Always keep asking questions and never, never settle for something that's clearly not right. I know I've been in a funk lately, and I think most of us have. I know it doesn't help to say chin up, but chin up, find a direction, and walk or crawl or run towards it. I'm currently crawling towards it. Um, with that said, let's talk about something that I know all of us creeps love to talk about, and that's murder. Today's information comes from a variety of sources, the Denver Post, unresolvedhomicides.org, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, CBS News, etc. This is going to be a really, really short one today, you guys, but I wanted to share it because it was a part of that uh, multiple choice thing that I put up on Instagram uh, last month asking what you guys wanted to cover, and I did want to cover this case. This story is pretty horrific because it involves small, dark places, and I'm claustrophobic, and I can't imagine too many worse ways to spend the last moments of my life, but that's unfortunately what the end was for Kimberly Green Medina. Kimberly was called Kimmy by those who knew her. Kimmy got pregnant at a really young age, at the age of 15. And in 1993, she married the father of her child, Michael J. Medina, who was 21 at the time. The family started off just like any family might, despite issues that come up with having a child while also being a child. Kimmy gave birth to her first daughter, Neka, and a year later, she gave birth to a second daughter, Marissa. She got right to work, working as a dispatcher for Super Shuttle. And it wouldn't come out until years later, but Michael Medina was an abusive and manipulative husband. He had a jealous streak that he showed to Kimmy, and he would often threaten her or their children with harm, a habit that would prove pretty hard to break in the coming decade for Michael. Twice during their marriage, the police were called for domestic disturbances. The couple was living in Phoenix, Arizona in 1995, and Kimmy told police that Michael had hit her several times while they were riding in a car together, and he was arrested, but he wasn't held for long. She returned when he was arrested to her family in Colorado and actually filed a restraining order against him, but that was soon lifted, and the couple reconciled and moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. At some point, the couple moved back to Colorado, and Michael was again arrested here in Colorado for domestic abuse in 1995. So this is all going down in a very short span of time. And again, her family wouldn't even realize that any of this took place until it was too late. On October 29th, 1996, Kimmy disappeared without a trace. On October 30th, Kimmy's co-workers called police to notify them about her being missing and not showing up to work. 
she had told co-workers that if she ever didn't show up, her husband was preventing her from leaving the house and going to work as he was controlling and abusive. Her husband, Michael, didn't report her missing until two days later on Halloween. Michael told police that Kimmy had walked to a local convenience store to buy cigarettes at around 10.30 p.m. The convenience store was located in Aurora at the corner of Mississippi and Buckley. He said that she never returned. A bloodhound named Yogi, which I'm fairly certain is the exact same bloodhound who found Ali Borellas, who I have an episode about, Yogi tracked Kimmy's scent from the couple's apartment located at 1082 South Yampa Street near Buckley Air Force Base to a total gas station a mile away. And then, curiously, the dog tracked her scent all the way to East Colfax in I-225, which is many miles away from their apartment and not within walking distance. This fact of where they traced her scent, which I didn't find um, in any other article other than one, about tracing it to Colfax and I-225 is, is pretty weird, and it's never really explained by what we know ends up happening. Sergeant Stephen Patrick was assigned to the case, and immediately both he and Kimmy's father, John Green, noticed that Michael's story didn't make much sense, and it changed a lot. John Green, Kimmy's father, did not think that she'd go walking at 10.30 p.m. to go get cigarettes when Michael himself had a car. Michael later claimed that he thought Kimmy had run off with a lover she was having an affair with. He later went on to also say that he saw her walking to the store with strangers that he didn't know. He told police that she did this sort of thing often and was often sleeping around, but her family and friends all knew that that wasn't true at all. He also claimed that she left wearing a heart-shaped ring, which was later given as a gift to his second wife. So clearly she wasn't wearing it. Her last paycheck from Super Shuttle remained unclaimed. There was no activity from her social security number. Michael got custody of their two daughters and basically disappeared with them for over eight years, refusing contact with any of Kimmy's relatives. In 1998, two years after Kimmy went missing, police heard about personal effects that may have been Kimmy's located in a field about 20 miles east of Aurora. The farmer there provided a description of a vehicle that may have been Michael's leaving the scene, which at the time was a reddish-colored truck. And I'm not sure why it took two years for this farmer to come forward, but he also told investigators that he noticed a perfume bottle as well as some other items at the scene. But those items were somehow gone when police got there to investigate, and they were never located. Several sources say that police followed leads to this farm location that had these items. Other sources say the farmer contacted police about them, and still other sources say that Kimmy's father, John Green, contacted a psychic who told him about this location. And I'm not a believer in psychics, so it would be more than impressive and mostly suspicious if a psychic truly led them straight to Kimmy's items out on some farmland. One interesting detail that was later revealed was that Kimmy told Michael that she was planning on leaving him on October 27th, 1996. That was two days before she disappeared. She told this to friends, and at least one aunt came forward to say that Kimmy had mentioned this to her. And then the case went cold. Bloodhounds were brought out to the farm area, but it was never concluded if the items actually belonged to Kimmy or not. 
movement wouldn't really happen on this case until 2005. And at that time, Michael Medina was remarried to a woman named Becky Garrell. And her relationship with Michael wasn't going too well either. His relationship with Becky was a lot like his relationship with Kimmy. It was emotionally and physically abusive. He was constantly jealous and accusing Becky of having affairs. This all culminated in May of 2005 when Becky told Michael that she was done and she wanted a divorce. The couple was living in Alamosa at the time, and Becky moved out of Michael's home into her own apartment, but they still got together to exchange Deegan, their son, and carry out other business. During the month that Becky was living in her own apartment, Michael actually broke into it and tied Becky up with duct tape and threatened to slash her with a box cutter and raped her while the 16-month-old Deegan cried. This all came to a head. On May 20th, 2005, with Michael and Becky arguing for most of the day. Later on, the argument involved a horrifying confession from Michael Medina regarding his first wife, Kimmy. Becky sat and listened as Michael explained to her what had happened to Kimmy. He told Becky that he had beaten Kimmy with a bat. Then he drove her out east of Aurora into some farmlands and began digging a hole with the barely conscious Kimmy still inside the car. He then placed Kimmy in the hole on her back laying down and began shoveling dirt over her as she struggled and gasped for air, with dirt beginning to cover her face and choking her out and getting in her mouth and eyes and nose. Because Kimmy was buried alive. Becky sat and listened to this stunned, and she first admitted that she didn't really believe Michael's story because she thought that it was just another scare tactic used to scare her, as he often did, and he then threatened to hurt her and their 16-month-old son, Deegan, if she told anyone about this, and he also threatened to kill Deegan and himself so that she would be left alone to suffer if she ever mentioned it to anybody. The next day, on May 21st, 2005, Becky left the house to keep an appointment to wash her car at a friend's house. And that's what one source says, and I have a hard time believing that that's actually what was going on. And she left Deegan there with Michael because he refused to let her take Deegan. Becky told Michael that if she didn't show up to the friend's house, that they might suspect something was wrong because their friends had a decent idea of the abuse and problems that were going on in the household. So he let her go and keep this appointment with her friends. Michael's two daughters that he had with Kimmy were there too, but he gave them some cash and they left the house with Michael's brother, Eric, to go to Pizza Hut in Monte Vista. As his daughters left the house... And they left. Um, He told them to basically kiss Deegan goodbye because he and Deegan were going to be going away for a while. So there Michael was, left in the house with 16-month-old Deegan. Once Becky arrived at the friend's house, she told them what was going on, and they all called the police. Alamosa police mobilized for what they thought was going to be a hostage situation with Michael and... Deegan and Michael and Becky were in contact for much of the day via cell phone. At some point, his daughters returned from Pizza Hut and he gave them a list of phone numbers to call, presumably family members or someone to help, and told them to return to the Pizza Hut by walking there. Sometime during the day, the police lost knowledge of the whereabouts of Michael Medina. 
who at that point was on his way into the swamps of a sewage treatment facility with Deegan, and the pair walked into the swamps. There, Michael killed Deegan and left his tiny body there, carefully placing some toys and shoes next to it. Somehow the police did track him there, but they were too late, and he was arrested as he was walking away from the crime scene, and police entered the facility to see um, Deegan's body laying there with the toys kind of set up in like a shrine-like way around him. In July of 2006, Michael Medina pled guilty to child abuse and recklessly causing his son's death, and he was sentenced to 48 years in prison. He maintains that Deegan's death was accidental, but unfortunately, after all of these circumstances, after the threats and the position that he was in that day, it's incredibly obvious that the death was not accidental, and there was really no end game for him here. In 2011, with Michael in prison, a grand jury indicted Michael for the murder of Kimberly Green. Police believed that there was enough circumstantial evidence to convict him without the body of Kimmy, citing several factors leading the jury to believe that she was dead, including no contact with relatives, no contact with her daughters, and no activity from her social security number. Michael was convicted of Kimmy's murder in 2013. In addition to his conviction for killing his son, Deegan, Kimmy's body has never been located, despite the fact that Michael supposedly buried her with articles of clothing belonging to both her and him for some reason. He loved leaving little items left at the sites of the bodies of the people he killed. John Green, Kimmy's father, spent years searching for his daughter's body. He searched fields and parks, including Cherry Creek State Park, for her body, hoping that if he found it, he could argue for the death sentence for Michael Medina. Kimmy's daughters are safe with family members and let a final farewell to her um, with a balloon launch. And here is a small excerpt from them talking about justice finally being served for their mother. And like I said, guys, today was a very short one, and I just realized how short it was after I read it all. But next month, I'm going to have a nice um, historical murder for you guys that I'll try to try to get some length on that one. But anyway, here is Kimmy's daughters talking about justice for her. It's hard just because, like, hearing everybody's stories that she was this wonderful person and that yeah, she loved us. And on getting to know her hurts. I just felt the energy that, yes, finally, she has, Kimmy has justice. And we could rest peacefully tonight, knowing that there is justice for her. Stay safe, everyone. Stay sane. Now that things are starting to open back up, I'm going to be looking into finally getting those shirts that I designed printed and maybe we'll get something a little bit exciting going on in our lives and I can get those done because I really, really want to share this design with you guys. I think you guys are going to love it. So until next time, everybody. Mm-hmm.